Welcome to ACE Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in as we elevate clinical endocrinology by taking deep dives into trends and topics that can help us improve our patient care and global health. Find the latest episodes on aace.com slash podcasts. And now let's meet the endocrine experts who will be talking with us today. Welcome to ACE's podcast on strategies for increasing vaccination rates for persons with diabetes. This podcast accompanies an online module led by Dr. Ken Azura. Together, the online module and this podcast are aimed at helping endocrinologists learn more about ACE's updated diabetes guidelines and the CDC standards for adult immunization practice. The module and podcast are provided by ACE through the grant Specialty Societies Advancing Adult Immunizations funded by the CDC and coordinated through the Council on Medical Specialty Societies. Our discussion in this podcast will focus on strategies for aligning office procedures with the CDC standards and steps to create a practice culture of vaccine confidence. With us on the podcast are Dr. Geetha Gupalakrishnan, who is an Associate Professor of Medicine and the Director of the Division of Endocrinology, Diabetes, and Metabolism at the Warren Alpert Medical School of Brown University in Providence, Rhode Island. She's also the Program Director for the Fellowship Program in Diabetes and Endocrinology and is a current member of ACE's Board of Directors. Also with us is Dr. David Lieb, the inaugural Aaron Vinnick Professor of Internal Medicine and Program Director of the Endocrinology Fellowship Program at Eastern Virginia Medical School in Norfolk, Virginia. Dr. Lieb is the chair of the Education Oversight Committee at ACE. Thank you both for joining the podcast. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. So, Dr. Geetha, we'll go ahead and start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about your practice and share some information relating to immunizations? For example, do you all administer vaccinations? And if so, which ones? Thank you, Mary. I practice in Providence, Rhode Island, and we have a faculty practice as well as a practice where we serve the underserved population of Rhode Island. So we have two practices that we work out of. In both these practices, we administer flu vaccines, but for other vaccines, we actually partner with our primary care colleagues to administer those vaccines. With COVID, we actually have started to partner with our pharmacy colleagues with CVS and Walgreens and other pharmacy programs to administer our vaccines. So this has been a collaborative effort. Some of it's being done internally and others have been done in collaboration with our colleagues in primary care as well as in the community programs. Great. Thank you. And Dr. Lee, what about you? Thanks, Mary. So much like Geetha, we don't have all vaccines available in our practice. We partner very closely with internal medicine and family medicine and also geriatrics here at EVMS. And we also work with individuals in the community, including pharmacies and hospital systems to encourage vaccinations and all of those individuals living in Norfolk and in Hampton Roads. Great. Thank you. So Dr. Azura in his module covered ACEs updated diabetes guidelines and the standards for adult immunization practice. So that's where we'll start. What benefits do you see with having recommended vaccines explicitly outlined in ACEs updated diabetes guidelines? Dr. Lee, we'll start with you. 
Thank you. This is a great question. So vaccination is key in the healthcare of every person living with diabetes. We've certainly learned from COVID. COVID has reminded us that individuals with diabetes often fare worse if they become ill with a viral infection or influenza or pneumonia. So prevention is very important. And clinicians are busy. Anything that can simplify your day and reduce workload is very important. And the guideline does a wonderful job of of doing just that. And Dr. Geetha, what about you? You know, I agree with David. There's another component of this. There's lots of national organizations from the CDC onwards that have been supporting vaccinations and talking about vaccinations. But there's something special when we talk about endocrine and diabetes experts who reviewed the data, looked at it, and came up with the guidelines for us to use. It adds to the conversation, adds to credibility. It's coming from our peers. So I think it supports the conversation related to vaccinations that we're having on the national stage and kind of validates the use of vaccination in our patient pools, particularly related to diabetes and endocrine disorders. Just to add it, and the guideline is very easy to read and easy to use. And for some reason, whenever I'm starting to determine which vaccine, which patient needs and which pneumococcal vaccine they need and which one they don't need, it's always embedded in all of the vaccinations that everybody else needs. Uh, And it becomes very difficult for me to figure out where the information about the person with diabetes is that I'm seeing in clinic. So it's really nice to have something from ACE that's geared towards clinical endocrinology to kind of focus down on the people that we see. So what you're basically saying is sort of taking me to another question, and that's how you actually envision and plan to use the information. It sounds like you've already started to envision how you're really going to incorporate it into your daily practice. Absolutely. With COVID, I think vaccinations and the importance of vaccinations have been highlighted. And and organizations have, like ACE, have become leaders in kind of thinking through how vaccinations are processed on the national stage, from educating our providers, but also educating patients and making sure it gets implemented in the right fashion. And so in our on our local efforts, we've been thinking about this for a little while. I think vaccinations have become a priority for us. I recognize the importance of it in terms of preventing complications for diabetes and hospitalizations for diabetes and even mortality related to diabetes if people are not vaccinated. And so I think it's a high priority. And we've started the process of putting operations in place to facilitate that in our local practices. And Dr. Lee, what about you, particularly as it relates to how you might use the uh, information with patients directly? Oh, sure. So educating the patient is incredibly important. People have to understand, you know, the science behind being vaccinated, the safety of the vaccination, uh, really the reason for the vaccination and what, what you're hoping to prevent. And so the information that's available in the guideline is very user-friendly and so very easy to kind of read through, take that information and then share it with that evidence-based information with the person that you're seeing in clinic. One of the other things that I really like, ACE is an organization that's geared towards everybody that takes care of somebody with an endocrine condition like diabetes. 
and and maybe I'm wearing my education oversight chair hat here, but vaccination is a perfect example of a place where we all need to work together, primary care, endocrinology, et cetera. Geetha mentioned, and then I seconded that many of our vaccinations aren't provided in our endocrine clinics. They're provided by someone's primary care provider. And so this guideline really helps to remind me, and anytime I give a talk in the community about diabetes, I need to make sure that I include vaccination. You know, when I'm giving a talk about diabetes to our endocrinology fellows or to the internal medicine or family medicine residents, I need to make sure that I include vaccination. It's as important as talking about regular eye exams and foot exams. Well said, well said. Dr. Gaitha, what about you? Is it something that you see and plan to use like directly with patients? Yes, absolutely. I think as an educator, as David said, we're both educators. I think it's part of all our educational efforts. But on a patient level, I think it becomes, you know, in every conversations we have our, with our patients, it's an important topic to bring up. Prevention is key in diabetes. I, good component of it is preventing complications and related to vaccinations and not being vaccinated. So I think it's a priority for all our practices in general. Um, I think it is a responsibility for all endocrinologists to learn about the current guidelines for vaccinations and be able to set up processes to implement them in their practices. Got it. Thank you. Well, in Dr. Azor's module, he goes on to discuss how the endocrine care team can best implement not only the guidelines, but the CDC standards for adult immunization practice. So the framework for the standards is for healthcare providers to assess, recommend, administer, or refer, and document immunizations. When you all think about these standards, what do you view as your role in implementing them? Dr. Lieb, I'll start with you. Thanks, Mary. I really like the CDC framework. It's very simple. It reminds us of what we need to do. So as a physician, as an endocrinologist, I really feel that I have a role at every step. I have to ensure that I ask my patients if they've been vaccinated and document their answers. And if not, I have to make recommendations that they do and determine, you know, if they haven't been vaccinated or don't want to get vaccinated, why not and what barriers they have. So there's the assessing and the recommending. With respect to administering, again, we often don't have certain vaccinations in our clinic. And I feel that it's my responsibility to provide my patients with local and community resources, whether it's another physician or advanced practitioner's office, or if it's a pharmacy. And then I got to make sure that I document whether they got that vaccine or not. Dr. Gaitha, what about you? You know, I completely agree. I think this is a great framework and the framework is on target. Like I said earlier, that it, I think it is the healthcare provider's responsibility to kind of educate our patients on vaccination recommendations and to ensure processes are set up to help them become compliant. As part of this is also understanding what might be barriers for people not getting vaccinated. It may be system issues, but it may be also other things in terms of misinformation or fear. And part of our job is to kind of help understand that, help our patients navigate those issues, either by ourselves when our, or with our colleagues and in primary care, or by using other resources and support system to help facilitate it. So I think this is a high priority. So some things that I heard you both say, point us in the direction of looking at your office procedures. What we're talking about, I guess, when we say, you know, looking at your office procedures, it's because Knowing about the guidelines and knowing about the standards only goes so far. You've got to implement them, and that's implementing it in the practice in which you're working. So 
Dr. Lee, when you think about your team's workflows and processes as it relates to immunizations, what components of your office procedures do you think you're going to have to review and work through? The process really starts before a person comes in the door with pre-visit planning. You know, you need to make sure that you know when their last hemoglobin A1C was, whether they've had a microalbumin checked, but you also need to make sure that they've received recommended vaccinations. And do we have appropriate documentation of those vaccinations? And, and if not, then it needs to be on my radar for my discussion with the patient during our visit. So it's, it's really a team effort that starts even before we see somebody in the office. And Dr. Geith, is it the same from your perspective? Yeah, we also do it as part of pre-visit planning, but more often than not, it's our MA as the patient walks in the door who kind of has that conversation with the patients. As they do the medication reconciliation as as part of that process, they actually collect the vaccination information as well and see where the patients are in their vaccination targets. And if the patient is not meeting target goals, if if it's flu vaccine time period and they haven't gotten their flu vaccine, the RMA basically sets up, either sets up a process for them to get it within our practice or refers them somewhere else where they can get it. And so that's all done before they even come in. But having said that, if there are hesitations that are identified, that's when the providers are actually targeted and to have further conversations with the patients to help kind of guide the patients on next steps and how to break down some of these barriers and move it forward. So how does that actually work? Like, do you get a prompt or is somebody on your team like telling you that they had a conversation with a patient and thinks that you should step in? It's actually a conversation. So it's a day of the visit. The MA basically as part of the check-in process has this conversation, identifies there's an issue that needs to be addressed. And they may come talk to us about, hey, this patient's a little hesitant about flu vaccines because of X, Y, and Z, which then prompts us when we go in to have a better understanding as we have those conversations. It's a teamwork effort to be able to get this done. And it's very informal, but it, it actually works pretty well in terms of passing on the information and doing it in real time because the patient's thinking about it, the MA is thinking about it, and very quickly I'm learning about it. So there's not a lag time in that conversation process. Same for you guys, Dr. Lee. No, just like Gita mentioned, it's definitely a conversation, direct conversation at the time of the visit with, with the person. I think that's the best and most straightforward way to do it. So, and Dr. Lee, a follow-up question for you, when, because you said you guys don't have access to certain vaccines, and so you're going to be referring after you make recommendations, but that you're also going to document, how does that work when you're trying to document, are you documenting that you referred or through a system you're documenting that the patient did receive the vaccination? Yeah, it's a combination of both. So for those vaccines that we don't have access to, it's documentation that the individual has been referred. And in thinking about this, it's one thing to know you've referred somebody. It's another thing to document that they've actually gotten it. And so we have ways in our medical record to document different vaccinations. Certainly the COVID pandemic has led to a lot of updates, I think, in our electronic health record to make sure that we can document COVID vaccination, but also flu vaccination and other vaccinations. But that's, I think, a work that's still in progress, you know, making sure that things are being documented appropriately. So all the information that we have is up to date. Yeah. 
and we have a very similar process as well as David, is that, you know, when we make the referral, we basically say, hey, refer the patient for X vaccination. But the next time they come in, when the MA comes in for a check-in process, the MA goes, did you get that vaccination? And if they did, they document the date and where they got it done. And so that there's a loop around that comes through eventually where we're able to keep it updated. Got it. So Dr. Leib just mentioned something that I'm going to ask you about, Dr. Geetha, and that's as it relates to what y'all learned as a result of COVID-19. So clearly everyone learned a lot. And as it relates to future vaccination efforts, what would you say maybe you all changed or learned that you could implement for future vaccination efforts? I think what we learned, it's all about teamwork, teamwork and teamwork. It is everybody in the trenches trying to get the task completed. It required education on the national stage. It required a lot of public health PR work that took place with Department of Health and other organizations actually leading the way in addressing information and combating misinformation. So it, it took a lot of those efforts. It also took a lot of efforts on the local factors as well. It took leaderships within the organization to educate all the providers and staff about vaccinations, the science behind the vaccinations, the side effects and concerns that people may have were addressed so everybody was well informed. And that way we can actually enlist the entire team to kind of engage our patients in these conversations. You know, our MA is the first person to have these conversations with our patients. And so our MA had to be well-educated on what vaccinations are, where the pros and cons are, what the side effects are, so they can be the first one to reassure patients you know, it's okay, this is a good thing and you want to do this. So it's actually teamwork. I think that was the thing that we all learned from COVID. The vaccination rates for COVID, if you look across the country, are impressive compared to any other vaccination. So I think we need to continue along the same lines of partnering together to make these things happen. And Dr. Lee, what about you all? Yeah, partnering is a great word, Geetha. It's partnering also with the patient. I've learned from the COVID pandemic and vaccination that there are many, many reasons why somebody may not want to be vaccinated. Many reasons, some of which I never would have thought, you know, could potentially impact somebody's decision. And so you have to be open-minded. You have to take the time to listen to people and understand what their concerns are. You can't make assumptions about why somebody may or may not choose to get vaccinated There's so many different barriers that people have, whether it's a knowledge concern or an access issue that they have. And so I think being open-minded and partnering with the patient to work together to a point where if there's somebody that's not that comfortable with getting vaccinated for a particular organism, you kind of work towards that over time. So certainly something you've just said, and Dr. Geetha, you know, you've said it too, it relates to confidence that patients have in the vaccine, their comfort level or vaccine hesitancy. So we want to hear your thoughts on this concept of vaccine confidence and specifically creating a practice culture of vaccine confidence. So when you guys hear that phrase, a practice culture of vaccine confidence, What does that mean to you and why is having a practice culture of vaccine confidence, why is that so important? Dr. Lieb, I'll start with you. Geetha mentioned that the MA 
may be the first person that sort of initiates that discussion about vaccination. So your medical assistants and you need to be on the same page. That's a culture of vaccine confidence. You need to be on the same page that you together feel that the science is appropriate, that the evidence is there, that it's safe, and that it's important and that it's a shared goal that you have as a clinic to take care of your patients, that it's important. But you know, it also involves people at the front desk, the folks that check people out, uh, all of the physicians, nurse practitioners, physician assistants that are in the office. Everyone needs to know that the vaccines work. They need to believe that the vaccines are effective and safe and are part of a trustworthy medical system. Dr. Gaitha, if you could elaborate on that too, and talk a little bit about the efforts in Rhode Island, because I think you guys really worked a lot on vaccine confidence in in your practice and elsewhere. Yeah, I'm going to echo something David said earlier as well, is to create a culture where patients feel safe to talk about whatever their concerns are. So part of this vaccine confidence is to have a culture where patients can say whatever they need to say and not feel judged or as part of that conversation and be given the leeway to talk about all their fears and also make the decision sometimes not to be vaccinated. You know, it's ultimately their health, their decision. And part of our job is to educate them to and convince them this is the right path, but we need to be very open and make sure it's a safe place for patients. And that's how we can actually move the needle, I think. In Rhode Island, we were affected by COVID very early on in the process. And as a result of this, we had a very active education effort that started with every provider and every staff on a weekly basis getting educated on what the science is, how it's evolving, and what the changes are and what the recommendations are. So there was that education effort. By the time vaccines actually rolled, you know, came out, our staff and our faculty were well educated in what the science behind the COVID was. And that helped a lot to get the movement moving in terms of getting vaccinations processed. And then we had the entire team on board, essentially, trying to get our patients vaccinated, which makes it a lot easier. Going back to what David had said earlier, every person in the office was played a role in this. And so if every person in the office is saying, let's all get vaccinated, it's a good thing we're all vaccinated. And a lot of times I have conversations with my patients saying, you know, I'm vaccinated, everyone in my family is vaccinated and everyone in this office is vaccinated. And I know the science and I wouldn't put any of these people and people that I love and care about at risk if I was really worried. I think this is the best interest. Those things really do build trust and confidence. And I think providers have a big role in having those personal conversations to move the needle. And then again, giving space for patients to make different decisions, because I think you may not be able to move the needle the first day, but you still have multiple conversations with them over their care that you can keep having these conversations. And maybe in the future that you may be able to change their mind on some of this and their confidence also improves and changes over time because as more science and evidence comes and more of their friends and their family members get vaccinated and they, you know, things are okay, they also come around to it too. So that also helps. Time is a big, uh, works to our advantage in the long run. Just to add to that, Gita, um, in Dr. Azura's module, he talks about some very specific ways to create that culture of vaccine confidence. And one of the things that he mentions is having a, a vaccine champion. So somebody that's in your practice who really 
takes it on as their passion project that they're going to make sure maybe a more senior member of the staff, more senior, one of the clinicians that can kind of help get the more junior people more excited about it. And he also talks about the importance of discussing vaccines regularly together as a group, making it part of the regular conversation, providing opportunities for team members to ask questions that they may have, and then having access to resources that you can point people towards if they do have questions that you maybe don't have the answer for, or that you want them to have an opportunity to do more reading or, you know, about something that they have a question about. So it sounds like both for your team and with patients, really communication and education is just key. Yeah. So as we start to wind down, just any parting thoughts based off of your experiences, tips or strategies that you would share with your colleagues and friends? I might say, kind of going back to what I was saying a moment ago, we got to talk about this. We got to talk about it. So... I don't think I've ever talked about vaccination as much as I have in the last year, right? Because of COVID, because everybody's talking about vaccination uh, and everybody's afraid of COVID and it's in the news. And so it's what we talk about, you know, in the clinic, patients talk about it, healthcare team members talk about it. We don't always have that same push and enthusiasm to talk about the flu vaccine, but we should. Right. So I think continuing this momentum that's developed over the last year or two with respect to the importance of vaccination, carrying what we've learned from COVID into the other diseases that we can prevent with vaccination, we've, we've got to talk about it. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the most important thing that we could do is having conversations related to vaccinations with our patients, with each other. The more informed we get, the better it is. And more of it is in the forefront of our minds. It's easier to move the guidelines forward and making sure everybody gets implemented in terms of vaccinations. So I think conversations are the key. I agree with David. Awesome. And last question, just about resources. What would you guys recommend in terms of, you know, if somebody wants to learn more, where should they go? What have you used that you have found helpful? Dr. Geetha? You know, I'm really excited that ACE has taken this on as a project. I think they're creating websites and resources for our patients and endocrine providers on vaccination related to diabetes and patients with diabetes and endocrine disorders. So I think that is a great resource for all our patients. The other thing is national organization like CDC is a really good resource. And local Department of Health is another place to go as well. Great. Dr. Lieb. Yeah, I, I really like, Keitha, that you mentioned your local Department of Health. I've been incredibly impressed with how much rapid information is, has been available, specifically about COVID vaccination through, you know, the Virginia Department of Health, for instance, or, or even nationally through the CDC's website. But all that information is there for the other vaccines that we should be telling people to get to. So a lot of the same places where I've gone somewhat urgently for COVID information. I'm going to start going to the same resources for all the other vaccines that I need to be thinking about. Very true. That's great. That's great. Well, thank you both so much for sharing your time and your expertise with us. And again, this podcast is provided by ACE through the grant Specialty Societies Advancing Adult Immunizations, funded by the CDC and coordinated through the Council on Medical Specialty Societies. Thank you so much. 
Thanks for listening to another great ACE podcast. Join us for another episode at aace.com slash podcasts and help us in our mission to elevate clinical endocrinology. Together, we are ACE.